You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's a Tuesday, and we are radio only for the second straight day. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, One Bills Live, coming to you here on a Tuesday. And uh, Steve, in his humble abode, I am doing the same in my humble abode as uh, the digging out has ensued here in western New York. And uh, thankfully, the snow has pretty much stopped across the Western New York region. Uh, suffice to say, we've had enough, Steve. I think that's safe to say. I think we're up over 90 inches for the season already. And what are we, seven days, six days into winter? Yeah, it's snowing here in the South Town still. Is it really? But it's but it's a beauty, though. It's coming straight down, fluffy, white. Yeah, and not very fast either. It's, you know, my oh, plow guy grief. came by for the first time in a couple of days and yeah, we're kind of we're kind of back on top of it now. The the travel ban where I'm at was lifted yesterday morning. Right. And uh, you know, that you know, whenever that happens, you feel like you can go out and get some things done. The, you know, so the the lines in the grocery store have subsided. The you know, I'll say this, <clears throat> we went we had to <laughs> we had to go out to dinner last night. I say had to because you know, when you got people in for the holidays that got here before the storm and haven't been able to leave because of the storm you got to go out so yeah yeah so everybody else was in the same boat down here every place was packed yeah packed our travel our travel ban got lifted uh i want to say it was yesterday morning at 7 a.m so that gave us the opportunity to do our family christmas celebration a day late right which we did at my sister-in-law's house so uh, we were able to get that done last night although still not everybody could get there because right there were some travel bans that were still in place so still a little tricky but we made the best of it as i'm sure a lot of people around western new york are still trying to do and as we understand it the city of buffalo is still behind a lot of the outlying suburbs in terms of their recovery so our best wishes to uh, people in the city that might still be homebound and not able to go anywhere. I still believe the driving ban exists in the city. So, yeah, that's um, why I understand it as well. So just do your best to hang on for maybe another day and hopefully uh, things get better and stuff gets cleaned up and you can kind of get back to your daily normal living. 
Yeah, it's really interesting because we're so isolated here because of the borders of the storm and how severe the storm was. We forget everything else is still going on. You know, I mean, people every place else are traveling around all that, although the airlines are neck deep in problems and the Buffalo airport has yet to open. Yeah. Um, but every place else, aside from that, seems to be moving right along. I mean, I watched, you know, the football game last night was a little bit of a snooze fest, but you know, the chargers are in the playoffs. Five of the seven spots in the AFC are, right. are taken up. You got guys like JJ Watt announcing that he's retiring and I, we could spend the whole show talking about Tua. We could. Uh, that guy. I don't, I don't think we're going to, but no, we will I'm, spend some time. I'm on not it. that interested in it. But man, oh man, what? There's like nine layers to this thing, right? Oh yeah. They're, How this, do they? If, not, this season alone could be a thirty for thirty yeah. on Tua. I mean, think about it. That guy. I mean, he got whacked two minutes just inside of three minutes of that first half left, and came out and. And believe me, Brownie, I've had them. Sometimes you get a concussion. You don't know it for a half an hour, an hour. You know, Mm -hmm. that looks like that's what happened to him because he came out and made a couple of throws in that fourth quarter that were, you know, they were bad. And he said, he even even admitted, he said, I think I called the wrong play. Yeah. In explaining his second interception. Yeah. He said, I may have called the wrong play in the huddle. And that's what led to the miscommunication. So. Yeah, he's already probably suffering from the effects in that moment from the hit he had back in the first half. So here's here's my whole problem with the issue. Tua basically was allowed to play with what amounted to a concussion or the symptoms of, well, he wasn't having symptoms yet, but he probably had one already, played the entire second half with it, much like he did in week three against right. the Bills. With the same kind of fall, You know, Matt Milano gives him a shove as he throws the football. He loses his balance, falls on his shoulder blades, and his head, the back of his head hits the ground. Right. And he gets up all wobbly, and he he can barely stand. One of his teammates has to kind of balance him out. They take him off the field. He's back for the second half in week three. And then he has a hit in the Bengals game the next week, and he misses the next three games. So now you got two concussions in close proximity. Now he comes back here in week 16, has almost the same kind of fall that he had when he played the Bills in week three. Same kind of fall onto his back, head back of his head hits the ground. Nobody checks the guy out. Right. Like, who's who is watching? Well, they this fired is the, the whole, first guy. Well, this is the whole reason, though, Steve. Like, this is why you have observers both an INC an INC and the team's medical staff like are you not watching the game I mean it's here's the other it's your quarterback I mean is there a more important person on the field how are you not watching every move that guy makes with his concussion history this year alone so here here's where I come down on this if I am to his family I'm ticked off right like the team my son or my brother plays for on more than one occasion has been incapable of either a diagnosing a concussion after clear evidence on the field suggests that happened week three or 
they're unable to err on the side of caution and pull him from a game when another such fall, similar to the one that he had against the Bills back in week three, has taken place again, knowing he's had two concussions already this season. Like, at least pull him out and check him out. Right. I mean, they here's the thing. That. I'll say this, though. It happened at a point in the game, and it was innocuous when you saw it. He he kind of was falling forward, flipped the ball forward with his left hand to get a completion on a scramble. Uh, and he and goes an down ankle the, tackle. The, yeah, the can, the camera pans away. He gets up like nothing happened. No, no symptoms at all. So I get that. Um, and you say observers, people might not know what that is. They've got guys. And, and I'm telling you, it's more than a handful of people up in the press box with binoculars. And they're called observers. And they put them there all the time for all kinds of reasons. They've got guys watching the sidelines for unauthorized people on the sidelines. They got guys watching for uh, for uniform, uh, violations. uniform violations. They got guys watching for all state and they watch the fans for spots in the stadium for trouble. And now they got these guys with binoculars watching nothing but the players for symptoms of concussions. And those are guys up in the stands with binoculars that have got they have no other job than to do that. And it slips through all the week. Now, and having said all of that, something happens, even if they observe the guy. Part of the evaluation process for concussions is looking at the guy in the eye and say, how do you feel? And if the guy's not going to tell you the truth, all that stuff means zip. Yeah. But then right? that's where that's where as a medical professional, though, you got to kind of step in and make a call. Make a call what, Brownie? The guy's telling you, you're crazy. I feel fine. What are you doing? And yeah. you're as a medical professional standing there. You got it. What are you going to do? Tell your patient they're lying and stick a needle in their arm or something? You can't no. do that. No. You've got it. If as long as part of the evaluation process is patient feedback, the system is not going to work. Yeah. That's it. It's the only other thing I could think the doctor could do at that point in time is maybe talk to the guys that are in the huddle with him saying, hey, does he sound right? Like, does he sound like he's got it together here? You mean, wait, wait. You mean like the one in Buffalo where the teammate comes over and says, hey, listen, make sure you tell him it's your back, not your head. Those teammates? Yeah. <laughs> the well, ones that are no, supposed- but but seriously, like, think about the Patriots player. You know, Aguilar, he pulls Devontae Parker out of the game himself because the observers there right. aren't well, paying that's attention. Right. Well, that's because Aguilar, you couldn't tell except that Aguilar – had a look in his eye and he wasn't communicating like he always does. He was acting. Devontae Parker was the guy that had the concussion. Right. So Aguilar Parker pulled him. Yeah. So Parker is sitting there and you're talking to him and he's got a look on his face or, you know, Mac Jones is yelling out there. Aguilar's looking at him, yelling at him. And he's not responding. And Parker doesn't respond. Yeah. That's what happened to me. I mean, that happened to me in a game. Yeah. Play gets cold. And I ask, what do I do? on that play what do i do on that right yeah and right away my teammate puts his hand on my shoulder and and gives the the ultimate you know the the universal sign for come get him yeah and uh and i go off that you know that's the way it happens you're out and listen brownie i know the next day i've done it's happened to me the next day and again and and people say wow that's frightening well yeah i got a concussion a game didn't know it got evaluated answered the questions, spent some time off. You feel like I went back in the next day. You watch the game on film. And this was the same game that I got. You know, I asked, what am I doing? They took me off after that because it became apparent to everybody, even me. The next day 
I watch the film. I make a catch in an NFL game. I don't remember mm. 24 hours later. So that's how slippery this is. I didn't know. And yeah, I felt look, fine. Far be it for me to say, I mean, the system is far from perfect. I think what we've seen this year is evidence of that. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not medically qualified to come up with a way to make it better, but right. It, it's clear that there are loopholes that, that have to be closed up here because yeah, they'll you're keep... talking about brain injuries, man. Like they'll work if on I'm it. To no his question. family, if I'm to his family, I'm demanding better or I'm suing the dolphins. Like, what are well, you doing? Here's the thing too. You know, they're not to his family probably won't sue the dolphins. No, they won't because, because... two will step in and say, no, don't do right. that. No, well, he may, I mean, he might, he, he may I don't jump think he on. Will, I but... doubt he would, but you're right. I think the family, the only avenue they have is to go to Tua and say, hey, listen, bud, let's call it a career or or let's wait out the race right, season. Right, but his career is just getting off the ground, too. That's right. So I understand right. the the push and pull of this whole thing as well, not to mention that the biggest one, which seems to be the importance of winning football games, overriding someone's health. Well, it in seems many it's, in, cases, it, it's certainly in the mix, right? I, I don't know how it isn't based on how they handled the week three right. incident. right. I mean, and I don't know that it's it's in the mix for everybody. It's in the mix for Tua, yeah, for McDaniel, it's just Dolphins organization. It's just alarming to me that the Dolphins aren't hyper aware and hyper vigilant in light of Tua's history this season alone. I'm not asking them to remember what happened five years ago. Oh, right. I'm I'm talking about what happened in Week Three, like three months ago. And I'll say this, Brownie. It's got to be on your it's radar. Easy, it's easy to sit here like this and talk like we're talking, but we don't know that the Dolphins aren't hypervigilant. It was so innocuous, that hit, and he was so asymptomatic until after the game. And the next day he came in and said, you know what? I'm not feeling 100%. And then you look back at the game, and it's easy to say, <laughs> he threw three bad picks in the fourth quarter. Oh, my gosh. Throw yeah. your arms up. I, and I'm not going to throw two under the bus and say, yeah, he wouldn't have thrown. I, I'm not going to throw under the bus and say, hey, he would have done that anyway without the concussion. Right. But goodness gracious, it, it's easy to do that now. But I'm not I'm not going to throw the Dolphin because you've got to know. And they are they're in, They're in a playoff put. I know it's everything is. Everything is ultra urgent. The season's important. This game's mega important. I, I get all of that. Um, it's always that way when it's week one or whether it's week 18. So that's always there, but I, it's hard to say that the dolphins weren't hyper sensitive to it. Yeah. There was nothing that happened. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend to know what happened on the sideline either. I just, I get all amped up when I see somebody's physical health, just especially somebody with a history of those things. It just feels like, well, it's the same thing. Mitch it, Morris it went too. unrecognized. Mitch Morse is the same way too. And I'm pretty sure Mitch is probably hypersensitive to it. And the bills are as well. He didn't come back. He didn't, you know, and we knew this too. Mitch yeah. took an extra week. Even the last time he got a concussion, this is his documented sixth, right? That's, you know, think about his wife and family. You know, where All they're right. at. That's what I, mean, I we, that's what I think about first. Like we love, we love Mitch. He's the best man. We've talked to him a bunch of times. The guy's articulate and smart. Um, it's a part of the game that is not great. You saw it last. Did you see the hit last night where Derwin yeah. James, Derwin James got ejected that? Well, I don't know about you, but I thought that was an ejectable hit. 
Sure. And both guys I mean, got a concussion. Both guys were out of the game for a minute. It's head on. He's lowering the helmet, crown of the helmet, head on. Like, that's that's the kind of hit they're trying to get out of the game for the very reason of what the outcome was. Yeah, I get it. Um, and it happened fast. And I don't think there was malicious intent anymore, any, any more than there is on any other tackle in the NFL. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's one of those this strikes me as a good reason you have rules like that. And, and also um, how difficult it is for the defenders and the guys playing the game to adhere to those rules in certain situations when it happens so fast. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're trying to make the game safer. So I get it. That's, and they are, you really don't want in the game anymore. And, and, and the result of the hit is the exact reason why I just, just to kind of close the book here on this concussion discussion, it's if I'm to his family, I just have a hard time believing that the Dolphins are really on the ball, right? In trying to be hyper vigilant with everything that he has been through already this season in that area, and I, if I'm his family, I'm incensed. Like, well, I'll tell you, I, I know I'll it's not perfect. And yeah. I know concussions can be tricky and hard to diagnose sometimes, but man, I'm also have a hard time too. coming away from that without being ticked off. I think the family kind of, and the family would know better than we do. We're I'm, we're just conjecturing, and and yeah. and I've I've seen instances of it with families and stuff who've gone through this as with football players. Um, the family in the beginning first they talk to the player, their husband, father, son. And they say, what are you doing going back in? And they get the story from them saying, listen, I'm, I told them I was all right. I went back in on my own. They, you know, I, I want that kind of thing. Yeah, that's so me. they, so then they, yeah, it's on me. So the family doesn't put the, usually sometimes like that in instances like that, the family's like, okay, the, then they forget about the team and they, they focus on their family member. Um, it hasn't always been that way. Mm-hmm. But I would say the predominant lion's share of instances like this now it is because the teams are being scrutinized for it, and you've you know in calmer moments they put policies into place that employees follow, and they don't get repercussions for holding a star player out because those policies were put in when none of this was on the ta- you know the playoffs and the Super right, Bowl were right, on the table, right, so right, they right. can they can follow the protocols and not have the team fire them as a result. So it's much better. The league is in a much better place now than it's ever been. And I think when we highlight stories like this, I think it proves it rather than disproves it. They've made huge efforts to make stuff like this, not possible. And when it doesn't work yeah, they, you know, it's there. So um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for two. It's unfortunate for the dolphins. You hate to see it. Just like you hate to see it for any of these guys. These guys last night, uh, you know, the Derwin James um, Ashton on Ashton Doolin. And then, of course, Mitch Morris, our own Buffalo Bill here, who's uh, who's going through the, it now in the, proto- in the protocol. So, yeah, it, the league, it's never going to be perfect because it's played by a bunch of big, tough guys who get put in spots where they react and do stuff like this. But, you know, I. Tua again, that was amazing. I, I couldn't believe it when we read that yesterday. Yeah, I really couldn't it's believe just, it. Yeah, and it's gonna be very interesting to see where they go from here because you know, as you pointed out, they've got 
giant games to try to get into the playoffs here these last two weeks. Uh, there are situations where I think they can, I, I didn't check this uh, and we'll go over the playoff scenarios. I was trying to remember if they control their own destiny or if they need help, no matter what, I think if they win out, well, they're, they're eight fine. and seven, if they go 10 and seven, they'll be in. Yeah. So if they win out, they're fine. Right. And they're, and you know, the st- if of course, they don't, the st- they're going to need help. Right. I mean, the standings right now are they're in at eight yeah. and seven. So if they win out, there's no way they can, yeah. be, you know, there's no way they can right leapfrog uh this week finish up they if if anybody's interested um they got the patriots this week and then the jets next week right right they finish up with two division games uh this week's this week's game sponsor is the bflo store the bflo store is the official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. We already started, so we might as well continue around the NFL, presented by Kaleida Health, the official healthcare system of the Buffalo Bills. And let's just talk about this Monday night game a little bit more. The Chargers get a 20 to 3 win over the Colts, who are in free fall. They start Nick Foles in this game, Steve, and it was an abomination. The guy threw three interceptions, was sacked seven times. It is amazing what has happened to the Colts offensive line. By no means was Foles blameless in this game, but wow. I mean, is that offensive line just incapable of consistent pass protection? That used to be well, like a model I offensive watched, line two years I ago. I watched it's- some of this, Brownie. You're right. Um, they're not playing well, but their quarterbacks are back there patting the ball, no place yeah. to throw it. They're, when the line does protect, the quarterback has no openings. Foles, Matt Ryan – and the other kid, Ellinger, Sam Ellinger, yeah. No, I, I got. I don't want. I'm. Let me be hyperbole. Um, none of them could run, could outrun a three-legged puppy. <laughs> so they can't get out of it. The, they can't move around in the pocket. They can't escape pressure. They got nobody to throw to, and their offensive line has struggled. Um, and they've got a head coach they don't know. Yeah, they, yeah. It's a. It's an absolute Steve dumpster fire. The Colts had 173 total net yards in the game. Yeah. One time they reached the red zone and here's the best one of the day. The Colts on offense were 0 for 10 on third down. 0 for 10 on third down. Where are they? So this season they are 29th in third down conversion percentage, the only offenses that are worse than them, Houston, Carolina, and Denver at converting third downs. I mean, you are bottom of the barrel. Yeah. They're 30th and they're 28th in yards a game, 25th in rushing, 23rd in passing. 31st in 29th, 29th in interception rate. It's bad. 28 so sacks per attempt, 23rd in first downs. They're, they stink. And defensively, on you know, they're 20th in rushing yards a game. They're top, they're top, they're 11th in pat in yards per game and eighth in total plays, uh, yards per play. So they're, you know, defensively, they're a little better. Yeah. Well, that's who I feel bad for. I mean, they hold the Chargers to 20 points on a day where you're out. 
You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Offense isn't doing anything. Yeah. It's, there's just no way for them to win. They don't have any point production whatsoever. There was an announcement today. JJ Watt announced he will retire at the end of the season. He did it with a social media post with his wife and son. It read as follows Koa's first ever NFL game. That's his son, little guy. My last ever NFL home game. My heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and a pleasure. Watt is a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, five-time first-team All-Pro. Is he a Hall of Famer, Steve? Oh, yeah. I yeah, think, I think so, so, right? Yeah, yeah. He uh, certainly injuries de- derailed his career for a minute. But three Maybe defense- more than a minute, yeah. Three Defensive Players of the Year. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Five-time All-Pro over the course of what was his career? Ten years? Well, 12, 12 years. Yeah, he, yeah, absolutely. Certainly um, injuries marred what could have been a, you know, a, you know, a historic career. But yeah. man, oh, man, three-time in, in defensive MVP? Yes, I, I would say yes. Yeah, I think he probably absolutely. is in. Um, he may I'll be a you. first ballot guy. Oh, you think so? Okay. Maybe. You think about JJ's son, Koa. I think he's like one, one and a half. His dad is a gargantuan football player, and his mom is a professional soccer player. Talk about coming from the deep end of the sporting gene pool. My <laughs> God. That is ridiculous. Uh, he'll probably play ping pong. <laughs> Something, you know. Table tennis. Yeah. So, and, but uh, good, you know, um, certainly you're right. Unbelievable. Yeah. I, but that's good for JJ, though. You know what? He's played a long time. He could probably squeeze out as many years as he wants with the care with uh, Arizona. You know, they're not, he, you know, if he wants to keep going, he probably could. But he signed, remember, he signed a $103 million contract and yeah, saw the, and saw the end of it. Yeah, let's not forget that, you know, the Bills were interested in him just a couple of years ago. And the Bills were not going to go too high in the bidding. And the Cardinals agreed to go super high in the bidding and gave him $16.5 million a year coming off 
a stretch where he did not have a 16 games played season in like three years. And they paid him $16.5 million to average about nine, 10 games a season. Uh, he, he did not bring the impact to the card. Now, Cardinals have a slew of other problems, too. Let's not kid ourselves. But I don't think he provided them with quite what they anticipated paying 16 and a half a year for him. Certainly not. And he kind of knew they wouldn't. I mean, he probably sold some tickets when they when they hi- signed him. Yeah. Um, it was probably a signal to some other players on the team that the that the organization was in, um, you know, all in, so to speak. Um, but that was at a time when you remember they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. They got JJ Watt. Um, they had some they had some intentions on going to yeah. places, and it just hasn't worked out for them. Some other news around the league concerns the Broncos. A day after firing their head coach Nathaniel Hackett, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero is reporting. Broncos owner and CEO Greg Penner says the next head coach will report to him. Not to GM George Patton. He says Patton will be intimately involved in the search for a new head coach. And then Jonathan Jones from CBS Sports said Broncos CEO Greg Penner said trading for and extending Russell Wilson was a long-term decision. This is a quote. We know he'll do the right work in the offseason to be ready for next year. I wonder what work that would be. Yeah, that'll because uh, he's presumably going to have another new offensive system this year, Steve. Well, hopefully it'll be an offensive system that will help him uh, rather right. than ask him to do stuff he's not capable of doing either anymore or ever. Um, also, we didn't know this yesterday, but Jerry Rossberg, the guy who was brought in as a game management uh, Yeah, Hackett hired him. Hackett hired him, and they Jerry Rossberg is now the interim head coach. He's a 67-year-old guy who's got a lot of – experience in the NFL. He was the coordinator, special teams coordinator for John Harbaugh in Baltimore for 10 years and a couple of stops before that. Um, So he's been, he's been put into that seat and you would think that he has very little chance to hang on to that seat. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, I saw it reported by one of the national reporters. He said that the Broncos first went to defensive coordinator Edgero Evero and asked him if he would be interested in being the interim head coach, and he turned it down. He said his focus needed to remain on the defensive side of the football. I I wonder if he hangs around. I, I think he kind of knows a new head coach is probably going to want his guy as defensive coordinator I don't know why he wouldn't want to try to be an interim head coach for two weeks, though. I don't know. Well, two weeks is different. Two weeks is different than two months like Jeff Saturday. That's true. I just didn't know if there was anything to be read into that. Here's the D.C. He's been there all year. Your your organization believes you're the most eminently qualified to be the interim head coach. And you say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. There's no way that guy's there next year then. Maybe not, I, but I think too. It's it's better. He probably felt and and you know, given him every been. I have never met met the guy. I would think, knowing the mentality of these coaches, particularly on on well, as a coordinator, you got to lead. And he's probably saying, "Listen, 
for me to lead is best for me to do what I'm doing and help you guys continue to play well and help us win ball games. This is the best place for me because if I do take the head coaching seat, the defense may go down the tubes. I'm, yeah. the, you know what I mean? So he's probably thinking he can help more in the day-to-day basis in these last couple of weeks as the defensive coordinator than he would have helped as the head coach. Um, and he, know to, he right. knew too that it would be, it would get out to the people, the powers that be that they offered it to him. And he, he said, no, so that he still gets credit for being that could, you know, being good enough to be that guy, yeah. but he also gets credit for being smart enough not to take it. Yeah. Cause they ain't going to win a game Brownie. Yeah. I mean, they got the chiefs this week. Thanks very much. Um, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, I get it. But still in all, despite all of the offensive horrors, that Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense has been that defense is still a top five defense in the league. It's, it's a pretty impressive job that he's done. And I think he knows he might be a candidate for a head coaching job somewhere else. I mean, yeah, he already, might be. And there's two, he, there's two other jobs open right now in Indian Carolina. Yeah. I'll say this though. I, I would highly doubt that he has any inkling that he is like a front runner or yeah, what the landscape a candidate looks like. or what that landscape looks like for those two teams. Yeah. And whoever else might be in the market for a head coach, Indianapolis, yeah, Carolina and name another. Well, there'll be some others probably at the end. There of the will year. be Houston. Yeah. Maybe Lovey Smith's had it. Although, you know, they liked him and he was, but he was like their fifth choice. They, uh, I, I truly remember Lovey was helping them in the process. Well, he was there. Wasn't he their DC prior yes, to that? Yeah. He was. Under, and he uh, was helping them through their process. And they, I, I'm not, I don't think this is, I'm just conjecturing. I'm get. it sounds like they had a hard time getting somebody to say yes. And they ended up offering it to Lovey because he was the last guy that would say, no, all right, I'll do it. Cause some of their candidates said, all no, right, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. Lovey wow. Smith's been Lovey Smith was a head coach in the league for a long time. Got the Bears to the Super Bowl. You know he's a good coach. Yeah, but these guys, everybody thinks that all these candidates just when it's offered they take it. When it's offered they take it. Some of these guys are candidates, and they get into the process and they do it, and they say, you know what, I <laughs> I don't think I'm your guy. Yeah, this one's not for me. Yeah, I remember well, last year. They don't year, say that. They, I remember they don't last year. You know what I mean? Yeah, last year we were wondering if if Leslie Frazier said that because he was a candidate for the Houston Texans job, yeah. um, and he didn't. Because and here's I don't why. know how it went, but I wouldn't be surprised if he looked at that thing and said, oh, "This might not be the place." Because here's the thing: a lot of these guys they they want to take a coaching job, no question about it. They want to be a head coach for the first time or, or again or whatever. But they also know because of their years of experience in the league that they've got to have A, B, and C, and D in place for me to win. I need to have a general manager who believes like I do, and we have a good relationship. I need an I need owner to, that's going to spend I need money. An owner, well, I need an owner. I need a budget. I need this. I need this much for my my coaching staff. I need you know whatever it is. And the owner or the GM or who, the president of the club, whoever the CEO, whoever they're dealing with, says we can give you. A and half of B, most of C, F, but not E. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Not E, but I'll give you F. And the coach is like, eh, and they got to make it. They got to make a call. They got to say, ah, that's not going to do it. So some of these guys just quietly, because they don't want to embarrass the club, right? Because that gets around too. Yeah. You want to handle it the right way and say, um, yeah, don't put it out there that I was a, a runner-up. Just say you interviewed me and you appreciate my effort, that kind of thing. And then and the coach just says, hey, I don't want the job. Yeah. Basically. Because that don't, don't think that all these guys just take these jobs as soon as they're offered. Yeah. It ain't like that. No, Particularly for veteran head coaches. All right. We got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to discuss our Twitter poll topic of the day. How do you want the Bills offense to look when entering the playoffs? What does it look like in your ideal world? You let us know on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. We're back with more. Stay tuned. We're back in two minutes. Hey, Bills fans, visit buffalobills.com slash SB sweeps and enter for a chance to win two tickets to Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona. One winner will win two tickets, airfare and lodging to attend the Super Bowl contest ends New Year's Eve. So get online and get yourself entered for a chance to win. Chris Brown, Steve Tasser with you here on a Tuesday we are uh, radio only again here today. We do anticipate being back in the studio tomorrow for a simulcast broadcast. So we look forward to that. But in the meantime, uh, we are discussing the Bills and their offense. How do you want the Bills offense to look when the team is entering the postseason? So two weeks from now, what is your ideal appearance of the Bills offense? What does it look like? And we'll go to the tweet sheet to get things started here. Tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. And TJ leads off and says, love the run game, but need more from the passing game. They have to get the ball to Diggs more consistently. Keep using Knox and get Beasley more involved. That should open things up for Diggs, Davis, and the running backs. Cook is a big-time weapon back there. All right, a lot to unpack in that comment, Steve. So let's let's start with this. We heard Josh in his post-game press conference after the win over the Bears specifically and unsolicited mention the fact that he felt he has to get 14 Stephon Diggs more involved in the passing game. He had two targets in the game last week. Granted, they didn't throw it a ton because of the windy conditions, but those two targets both in the second half. I don't think he caught – he didn't have a target in the first half. That can't happen right. with your leading receiver. Not just your leading receiver, but one of the top guys in the league. Um, I'll say this. don't. I don't think the Bills right now are too worried about their offense or their defense, what they have been able to do. and We talked about it a ton yesterday. Uh, they are – and I'm not pumping their tires, but they're the number one seed in the AFC after playing the hardest schedule. I'll say it again. They're winning games in whatever way it takes to win games. They ran the ball for two bills the other day, mm. and they have thrown the ball for 400 in this season. They've thrown the – Josh has five touchdowns in a game or something. I think that's right. He has five touchdowns in a game this year, four throwing and a, and a running touchdown. He's got 
He leads the league in quarterback rushing touchdowns, or he's right there. Um, they can they've won the game by with a stifling defense, uh, like they did against Pittsburgh. Um, they have, I mean, go, you know, let, I mean, they outscore. They they go out into Los Angeles. They crush the Rams. They here, my point is this: however you need, they need to win a game. They got the horses to do it. If yeah. they need to run it, if they need to throw it, if they need to rush the passer, if they need to cover, if they need to short passing, long passing, if they need to do power run game, if they need to do the quarterback run game, they've got it under the hood. They've proven it all season. They are the team that has beaten their opponents in more different ways than anybody anybody in the league, in my opinion. I, and I, I'm just saying that. I don't know if that's true. There may be somebody out there who's done that. Philly may be able to do that. But they are they are good on all cylinders, and they can execute a game plan that is vastly different on a week-to-week basis. So you got a game where Steph doesn't get targeted for a whole half. And let's face it, he didn't get card he hasn't gotten targeted much over the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. But they're winning games and they're doing it in a multitude of different ways. That's how good they are. That's not a that's not a detriment. That's not a weakness. That doesn't show that they're incomplete. It shows just right. the opposite. They well, are yeah, complete. because they're still winning. Yeah. They're, they're still winning. I mean, Diggs gets two targets. They win by 22. So, 22. So, I mean, they're it, getting, it kind of falls by getting, the wayside, and yeah. understandably so, because they're still winning the football game by they a got, comfortable margin. They got crushed on Thanksgiving because they beat the Lions by three, and that was the only game the Lions won in, in a six- or seven-game stretch. Lost. Or lost. The only, and yeah. the only game the Lions lost in a six- or seven games, and they beat them, Bills beat them by three with a last-second controlled field goal, and they're getting crushed for style points. Same yeah. thing with the Patriots. They beat them by two touchdowns. They just squeezed the life out of them. People say, no, oh, you should have scored more. And they're just, you know, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're hard to beat, bro. Right. And that's, and that's this game plan and all this stuff we're talking about. Proves it. I mean, they're they're winning these games every which way you can think of because that's their plan, and they right. are executing it at a high level. The all second across part, the roster. The second part of TJ's comments interesting too. Keep using Knox and get Beasley more involved. They have found something here with Knox of late, and I think it's yeah. important. I think it's important. Um, and it's not just you know little check down throws in the flat or over the middle. I mean, Knox is delivering some some big plays. I think over the last two weeks. He has like three of the team's six longest plays from scrimmage. So that's not nothing. The The more interesting part of that involves Beasley. I think they signed Beasley to the practice squad. And we were wondering what it means. Was it an indictment on the lack of production behind Diggs in the passing game? Was it meant to light a fire under those guys that are behind Diggs in the pecking order at the receiver position? Or is Beasley just an insurance policy? in case somebody else goes down or maybe Jameson right. Crowder runs out of time and can't come back this season. He played six snaps on Saturday, Steve. That was a lesson. Which is even less week. than the week yeah. before when he only I had think, 11. I think he's all of those things, Brownie. I think he's an insurance policy. I think he's a, a fire to light underneath it. And if something happens to somebody else, he's the guy you go to that you, you trust in the offense who's played in the offense. So I'm, he made a lot of sense as a signing for Buffalo, even more so. And he played, look, don't forget, he was with the Buccaneers for like eight days. He had a cup of coffee down there, and he said, I'm done. 
this is the only place that he fits perfectly. And not only as a player, but as a locker room guy mm-hmm. in the offense, as a piece to an offensive system, a game plan guy, he's the perfect fit right now. Even yeah. if he doesn't play a snap, he's the perfect fit. Right. The only other problem as far as Beasley's involvement in the offense is concerned is there might be a guy emerging here that's going to get more touches going forward. We'll tell you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Who that is when we return here on One Pills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Oh, snap. Snapdragon apples are now available. Fuel your game day adventures with Snapdragon apples now available at Wegmans. Snapdragon apples, the official apple of your Buffalo Bills. We got to get back to the tweet sheet to get some of your comments on what you ideally want the Bills offense to look like as it heads to the postseason in two weeks or preferably three weeks time, because that would mean they got the buy in the top seed. And TJ gave us a lot to look at. We were dicing up some of that in the last segment. And we were talking about Beasley and how he's probably an insurance policy, a guy to light a fire under the the guys behind Diggs in the pecking order on the active roster there in case he's needed. I wonder if what is keeping his snap count down is the emergence of James Cook. He plays a different position. Not all the requirements within the scope of the offense are the same, but he can deliver in the receiving part of the game and be an extension of the run game that way, much the way Beasley was. So Cook's production is up over the last six games, not only because he's playing more, but in my opinion, he's playing better. And I don't know if Beasley's time on the field increases all that much in these final two weeks, because in my estimation, Steve, they know what Beasley is. I think they want to learn more about what cook can be for this offense. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're up for learning anything right now. I think they're up for getting the guy out there. They think can do something. Cook has, it's taken him a long time to get on the field. Let's face it. We've been waiting on him all season and he gets out there and he catches a little swing pass and falls down or he coughs up the ball or he drops a pass. It's been a it's been an issue. They finally starting to string some good plays together without falling over himself. And and it's great. Uh, you've got Khalil Shakir, who's finally getting some snaps. He got a catch last week on one target. Um, I think that's crucial for like Reggie Gilliam, Cole Beasley, Khalil Shakir, Quentin Morris, Stefan Diggs, all of these guys. Like Diggs, two targets, two catches. Gilliam, one target, one catch. Beasley, one target, one catch. Shakir, one target, one catch. Everybody else, like Knox, five targets, only three catches. Gabe Davis, six targets, only three catches. 
you need guys to catch it when it gets thrown to them and you need them to do something with it after they catch it. Mm-hmm. And the the young guy, well, young guys, I say young, but like Gilliam, Beasley, Shakir, the guys who have started to be sprinkled into the offense, they've got to continue to do exactly that. Cook, two catch it, one catch for two targets. You know, if he's going to be a part of the passing game, he's got to be a part of the passing game. That's not enough. Now, the, the Chicago game can't be taken as a, you know, an encapsulation of everything they hope and dream because it was the Chicago Bears and you were thumping them up pretty good and all you had to do was hand it off to win it. Right. But at some point, if you want Cook to shine in the offense, I get it. But he hasn't done enough in the passing game yet. They haven't given him that no, much opportunity. No, he hasn't. But but he, I mean, I thought he was going to be a dynamite receiver. I thought he's going to be his thing. Hines seems to be just as good in some ways. So, yeah, I like that they spread it around. We talked about it yesterday. They had a ton of guys catching balls yesterday or on on Sunday, Saturday. Uh, A lot of them only caught one. Nobody caught more than three, and they only threw it 26 times. Different kind of game. I get it. I don't know that you make – sweeping judgments based off of the bears game. But the one thing I do take away is that all those guys got a chance and a lot of them made the most of it. Jeremy on the tweet sheet says, I don't mind if we run the ball 45 times or we pass it 45 times, limiting turnovers and executing plays correctly is what I hope for. And maybe Jeremy's prompted to say that after a three turnover performance this past Saturday, still one by 22. But I think we all know when you get to the postseason. If you have a three turnover game, you're probably going home when your season's yeah. over. Yeah. You can't do it. And a couple of times too good. Bears did some good things defensively. Um, Eberflus, their head coach, is a is a defensive guy. They had some guys, and we talked about the first pick on the long throw down to McKenzie in the end zone. Uh, they had a guy dropping from the box on the opposite side of the field, all the way back underneath that route. Um, that's an easy one for Josh to miss and not realize that guy's gonna be there when he's got to get rid of it. Um, that's a gotcha play. Good for them. They did it. Um, and I can't even remember the other, the other interception, but you know, that's um, turnovers have been the bugaboo this year. They were minus two in this game until the last interception on the last play of the game that was meaningless. Then they were right. minus one, but they were, they were going to win that game at a minus two turnover ratio. Do the research on that. You won't, it's not pretty wins no. and losses for the team. That's minus two. Correct. Uh, Tim on the tweet sheet says, I like the commitment to the run. Keep that up. I want Josh to take what the D gives him. Seems like he still is trying for the big play. I would tend to agree with that. He still tries to push the ball down the field and, and doesn't always take the layups. And I'm all for being aggressive. Um, but as we heard Ken Dorsey even say last week, Steve, somebody asked Coach Dorsey, hey, what do you say in the headset to Josh? You know, you give him the play. Do you give him a word or two, you know, before the headset shuts off? And he said, yeah. He said, a lot of times it's, I say this, us or nobody, us or nobody, which, or he says, be aggressive, but be smart. So there's a balance there. You want to be aggressive, but in a way that if your guy doesn't catch the ball, nobody does. And I right. think that's that's what he means by us or nobody. So right, throw it to our guy or nobody else. Throw it out of the, throw it into the stands, kind of thing. Yeah, I get it. And that and that's you got to maximize you, the, the 
Mike shuts off at 15 of the play clock. Yeah. And we all know they go all the way down to two and one most of the time. But yeah, they that's what a good offensive coordinator is. He's he motivates, he empowers, he coaches up, he anticipates and gives the guy a heads up, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, as much as he can give and maybe remind him of something they spoke about in the meeting. Hey, don't for, don't forget to you know look them off, kind of thing. Yeah, all of that stuff goes into it. Um, yeah, it's a personal relationship that those guys share, and and when he and he knows or should know, and I'm sure he does. Dorsey knows how to speak to Josh in a way that catches him, you know, and communicates to him in a way that's very very quick, very succinct, and there's a lot of information in there. Yeah. Break time for us here, but when we return, hour number two will begin with NFL on CBS color analyst and former NFL defensive back Adam Archuleta. He joins us for hour number two here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 